Hello and welcome to episode 45 of the Metal Chat Podcast. My name is Melissa and I'm coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. Before we get started on this episode, I thought I would weigh in on some of the news of the day in the metal community. First up, Ozzy. So he's retired. I hate to say it's about time, but it's about time. I know somebody who has Parkinson's disease. Actually, she just passed away this past fall. And it's no joke. He needs to take care of himself. His daughter just had a baby. His son has kids. I think his other daughter also has kids. He's got grandkids. He needs to spend time with them. Life is short and family should always come first. So I'm glad to see that he has finally sort of come to his senses and realized that he can't do it anymore. I saw him in 2018 and it wasn't the Aussie that I saw in the early 80s for certain. A lot of that show ended up being Zach Wilde doing a very long guitar solos to kind of give Ozzy an opportunity to kind of regroup. His latest album, which I guess is going to be his last album, wasn't bad, but they had to enhance his vocals so much it really turned me off. Uh, the rest of the album, the music of the album sounds really good, especially the guitar playing. But I wish him the best of luck and thank him for all these many, many years with Black Sabbath and, of course, solo Ozzy. Now on to Iron Maiden. So they've been nominated again. I did an episode on this the last time they were nominated. You can go back and check that out. My thoughts haven't really changed on the subject. I'm not really big into award shows in general. I don't really care if Iron Maiden gets an award or not. They're still going to be my favorites. I don't need any kind of validation for that. I know that Rob Halford was super excited and happy with his award over at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, even though it wasn't a legit induction. And if he's happy, I'm happy. It'll be interesting to see if they get in, how it is handled, what Steve has to say on the matter. I will tell you that if they do get inducted, I would probably go to the ceremony just to say that I went and kind of hang out with other like-minded Maiden fans and enjoy enjoy the whole spectacle of it all. Lastly, but not leastly, it was just announced today that the Ravens Age is going to be the support act for the Future Past Tour. Again, I'm really disappointed to hear that. There's so much out there. There's so many great bands out there that not only want, but deserve that opportunity. They have the clout and the audience to give a band a real fighting chance, an opportunity to really get in front of audiences. And yes, I know that Iron Maiden fans tend to not be overly nice to, <laughs> to opening bands uh, in the past. Uh, and, that's, and that's definitely true. But, you know, I think if you get a band like, you know, a Night Demon, perfect example of a band that would be absolutely perfect for that tour, I think they would kill it. And I think it would be a great opportunity for them. And I think it would be good for Iron Maiden to branch out a little bit. I get you want to help your kid, but at some point, let your kid help himself and let him get his own tour and let him do his own thing. So that's my rant on that. This episode, episode 45, is a return to the arc, if you will. Last year, I made the attempt to have a 1983 arc. And I had picked 1983 because it was the year I graduated high school and there was a lot of good stuff that came out that year and I saw a lot of good shows that year and I thought I would reminisce about that. It proved to be quite an undertaking. So I've stepped back and I've decided that since it's been 40 years, yes, 40 years since I graduated high school, that I would approach it a little bit differently, a little bit easier, I guess you could say, and just pick one band, one album, 
from each month to highlight and not overdo it and just uh, not try to cram too much stuff, which is kind of what I was going to be doing and it just became really daunting. So we're just going to trim it in. I'm going to do other stuff around this quote unquote arc. Every month I will highlight a album that came out that month in 1983. If you listen to the 1983 episode that I did, you heard me talk about Def Leppard for the January pick. I also, towards the end of that, made mention of Journey in February because I had gone to that show and I talked a little bit about the show that I had gone to the May of that year. I'm going to start this reboot of the arc in February. So this month, the album that I am spotlighting is the debut album by the band Rock Goddess. But before we get started, as always, I want to thank you for your continued support. It is much appreciated. And if you want to get in touch with me, you may do so. I spend a lot of time on Twitter, at Metal Chat Pod. And with that, we are on to episode 45, Rock Goddess. <laughs> Right, so Rock Goddess, little bio on these gals. This is a band that is from South London. They formed in 1977. Two of the girls are sisters. There's uh, Jody, who is the lead singer and guitar player, and Julie, who is the drummer. Their dad was in the business, got them in the business. They did a lot of gigs around town. They played the Reading Festival in 1982. It got them a record deal. Uh, their bass player is Tra on this album anyway is Tracy Lamb, who of course goes on to play in Girl School. They had kind of a revolving door of bass players. The core of the band is the two sisters, and there is um, somewhere down the road they pick up a fourth member, guitarists on and off. So they've been a three piece and they've been a four piece, back to being a three piece. But we'll get to that a little bit later. On this album, it's their debut album, it's 1983. The interesting thing about this album is that much like Saxon put two albums out the same year, these girls did the same thing. They had an album out in February, the one we're talking about, and then they had another one that came out in October called Hell Hath No Fury. How I found out about these gals was from their second album, actually. I was in the record store over at the import section, as I tended to be, and I saw the album Hell Hath No Fury. I was checking it out and I saw it was an all-girl band and it looked pretty cool and I was like oh you know what I'm, I think I know these guys. I think I know a couple of their songs. I, I did. I knew, I knew a couple of the singles off of this album that got some airplay here in the U.S. So I got that album and then I went back and got the first album. This album has 11 tracks on it. Now if you have the new remaster which came out i think in 2009 cd which i have there's two extra bonus tracks on it the two songs that i was familiar with the snippet that you just heard called my angel and the song heavy metal rock and roll which actually closes out the original album i had the original album along with the album that came after this but sadly those were part of the albums that were stolen from me in 1985 that's a whole nother story for a whole nother time Anyway, I have the reissue CD, which, like I said, has the two bonus tracks on it. The original album has the 11 tracks. They sing about love and rock and roll, so there's not, like, a lot of uh, in-depth analysis of the world going on. I mean, th these girls are my age. 
the older one, who is the guitar player and lead singer, is about a year younger than me. And then her sister is a few years younger than me. They were definitely influenced by the new wave of British heavy metal. And you can hear it on this album. You can definitely hear the new wave of British heavy metal. The interesting thing about 1983 in general, and as we continue on this quote-unquote arc, I'll probably be bringing this up a lot. In 1983, bands were in a really sort of a weird juxtaposition. The new wave of British heavy metal was winding down and the beginnings of what was to become hair slash glam metal was becoming a thing. You had new wave that was becoming a thing. You also had MTV, which made a huge difference because kids were really watching everything. So they were watching MTV and they were watching all of the videos. It didn't matter if it was a, you know, a replacements video or it was Judas Priest video or it was a Michael Jackson video or it was a Madonna video. You watched all the videos. You just watched the whole thing. So there's a lot of different influences that were going on. If you listen to this album, what you will hear is that these guys who reportedly toured with Iron Maiden and Def Leppard in the early days, uh, I really couldn't find any sort of specific shows that they had done, but you can definitely hear their influence. You can definitely hear that this is the stuff that they were listening to. This is the stuff that they were influenced by. You also hear a lot of like Pat Benatar, uh, Joan Jett, Runaways, that kind of stuff that they were clearly influenced by as well. Jody's a, a very good guitar player. Their stuff tends to be very catchy, sing-alongy, danceable stuff with good guitar work, heavier music. They're like heavier Pat Benatar, heavier Go-Go's. On the last two tracks, the ones that are the bonus tracks that I, I don't know if they were tracks that just somehow didn't make the album the first time around or whatever, they're definitely more towards the new wave, not the new wave of British heavy metal, but more like the, the, the Go-Go's type of music that you, that was becoming popular around that time, you know, like, um, you know, Bow Wow Wow and all that kind of stuff. My favorite song on the album is the song that you will hear at the end of this chit-chat. It's called Satisfied Then Crucified. My least favorite song on the album is actually called Start Running. It's not a bad song. It's catchy. It's just kind of dumb, immature, which, I mean, these are young girls. I mean, this, this stuff is probably written when they're, you know, like 12 and 15. So you can't really expect anything too worldly uh, from a couple of uh, 12 and 15 year olds. You also can hear a Motorhead influence, which sort of explains the whole Tracy goes on to play with girls school and girls school. Of course, there was obviously a tie in between girls school and Motorhead. I've never seen this band live. I don't think they ever played the U.S. I think they were supposed to. And then some stuff happened. They've had a lot of bad luck over the years in kind of getting things started. They went on to put out, a, I think, a couple other albums in the 80s. But unfortunately, they just sort of, it seems like they just they just missed opportunities over and over again. They reunited in 2018 or 2019. And I think they played a couple of gigs. I saw some stuff on YouTube. Um, they've got different a different bass player now. And then I thought that I read that they were going to stop touring that they had decided uh, not to tour anymore, which is too bad because I was hoping that maybe a band like this, you could see it like maybe Keep It True or something or some other festival that sort of would bring back bands from the 80s because I would enjoy seeing them live. I think it would just be a fun night. So that's kind of how I feel about this album and this band. I really like this album. I enjoy it. It's catchy. And I think that if you like the New Wave of British Heavy Metal and if you like 
sort of uh, catchy hooks and guitar solos, I think that you will also enjoy this album. But please let me know what you think. I would be very interested to know what you think about this album and about the 1983 arc. So that's it. That's a short and sweet episode of me just giving you some information about a band that I would like for you to check out. I will add them to my Spotify playlist that I haven't done that in a while. I haven't shown any love to that list in a while, so I should probably get back back to it. And with that, I leave you with Satisfied, then Crucified. Until next time, be well. Thank you.